Hello, and welcome to the Path of Most Persistence. This is a place where we hear and share tenacious stories of overcoming obstacles with our partners who dare to share a bit of their own personal path. Laura Breeden is a nuclear professional, leadership and organizational development consultant, and station expert for STP, Nuclear Operating Company. She holds a Bachelor of Science degree in business management with more than 30 years of experience in leadership, training, and organizational development. For STP, Laura has worked with six different leadership organizations and served in several leadership roles herself. She is a certified facilitator trainer for numerous training programs with wide-ranging experience in human resource initiatives, all fueled by her passion for helping others grow, learn, and be better. In her personal time, Laura has also served in leadership roles within organizations such as the American Cancer Society. She, she was a PowerSet mentor and a current member of WIN, Women in Nuclear. She believes her greatest accomplishment is that of a wife and mother to her two amazing sons. Laura, thank you so much for being with me today. I've been looking forward to this day. I have too. It's super exciting to see you again, have a chance to kind of catch up and just, you know, reminisce and share, um, you know, what's been going on in the last uh, several years. So I'm super excited to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, Always, always. So let me just apologize to you and to our audience. My voice, I'm a bit raspy, um, but we're going to do our best. Hopefully I will manage and everyone will be able to understand me. And most definitely, hopefully it won't be a problem for you. Not at all. Great. So, Laura, we've known each other for quite some time now, I'd like to say. (laughs) So uh, just to reminisce a little bit and maybe even for transparency to our audience, do you remember how we met, why we met? You know, as I recall, uh, Kathy Gann, I think, was the leader, or maybe Kathy Work at the time, I can't remember, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. was helping initiate um, something for SDP called Power Set. Mm -hmm. And I believe you were the driving force behind that, you know, as the principal for... Um, were you administrator? Palacios. I was a principal of Palacios High principal. School. Uh-huh. Yes. Palacios High School. Wow. Yeah. And I distinctly remember, you know, just trying to get that initiative up and off of the ground. Yes. And uh, it was it was it was great. I thought that what we were trying to do to intrigue uh, women, young women, to get into the field of you know science and and technology and math and engineering. I mean, yes. all those things, right? Uh, was such a move in the right direction yes. coming from an industry that's was at least as I was coming up in it 90% white males over 40 that's right. it was great to see some emphasis being placed to encourage uh, you know young girls to move into those types of fields mm-hmm. I remember those days and and that was back when I was still as you mentioned principal uh-huh. at the high school Gosh. and I was first engaged by uh, the then director of the Nuclear Power Institute uh-huh to create a program, and we ended up calling it Power Set. And STP was such an important partner because we needed you guys for not only all of the resources, the experience, the leadership, but what you all provided, I think with the leadership of WIN, Women in Nuclear, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you all provided mentorship to the students in that organization. And at that time, and for a few years after that, not only did you all provide mentorship to the organization, but you all provided it one-to-one. So for every student in that organization of Power Set, mm-hmm. 
there was an individual, a professional from STP, from the WIN organization, that partnered in, with an individual student. And that was powerful. So, you know, what I'm starting to notice, finally, mm. it's taken a, a significant amount of time, but I'm starting to see a shift in the nuclear power industry, at least in our organization. You know, we're located in a rural area, in a, a location that's re- remote compared to, you know, there's no there's not a lot to do. Right. There's not a lot to do. Yeah. So to attract and retain, um, you know, women into our industry, I think is is not always easy. But I'm starting to see that shift. I'm starting to see more women in leadership. It's exciting. It's actually very exciting to see the change. I, when I was uh, coming up through the last 30 years of my career, yes. there just weren't a lot of, of females in the technical side of the business. Yes. And now I'm starting to see a shift in that. I mean, our nuclear fuels manager is a female, and our, our chief nuclear officer is a female. Mm-hmm. Our vice president of finance is a, is a female. And it's exciting. It's exciting to see people moving in, a, you know, in that direction. Our licensing uh, you know, department, I mean, I'm starting to see a lot of movement. And not only that, but minorities as well. Absolutely. And it's it's exciting for all the reasons you outlined. But I think that it all begins with being very intentional to to expedite, kind of, you know, encourage the movement to Mm -hmm. uh, speed up quite a bit. And that's one of the things that I've always appreciated about STP and the partnership. You guys were very innovative from the beginning. The leadership at the time when we first initiated the partnership, that was with um, Ed Halpin, I believe. Yes. Uh-huh. And what I really appreciated about him and his leadership is that he provided you all as mentors for our students the time off to come visit the students during their very limited schedule, as, as you know, because yeah, you, you raised two uh-huh. S and yourself. But... At, at the high school level, students' schedules are really maxed out. They have their extracurricular activities, but just the time during the instructional day is very protected, as it should be. Mm-hmm. So they only had that lunch break time that you guys could actually meet. But you guys had to travel. You had to take your time to get yeah. there. And you had that supportive leadership, which was so again, innovative to me, and it was generous. And I'm sure beyond the generosity of it, he, he was planting seeds. He was looking toward the future workforce as well. He had Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I think Ed was a huge advocate for uh, development of talent. Mm-hmm. And certainly he was my mentor, for one thing. And, and uh, him, him, along with someone else, were really the, the people that encouraged me to go back to school and to get mm-hmm. my degree, because I didn't do that coming right out of high school. wasn't wasn't strongly encouraged back then. Um, I elected to do that much later in life, and it was difficult. But they just kept, you know, inspiring me along the way and encouraging me to go back and and you know, just realize my full potential. So I really appreciate that in him as a person. I want to spend some time on that. I want to spend some time on those who supported you and how you made, uh, you know, the different chapters of your life. But before we go Uh to those personal sides of of you, I want to talk a little bit, I want to stay a little bit longer on the STP, on the nuclear side of things, because, uh, as you mentioned, you alluded to, 
how there's the underrepresentation of women, not only at your particular site, but just historically sure, in, in all industry. things STEM, yeah. but most definitely any type of nuclear application. Absolutely. There's that underrepresentation. And we have seen significant changes over the last few decades. Mm-hmm. Still more work to be done. More work to do. Yeah. But I I want to spend some time on um, how it has affected you professionally um, in that way and what was done intentionally and maybe maybe subtly to encourage some of those changes from your perspective. From my perspective. So... Um, as I mentioned, it just wasn't strongly encouraged, you know, for me to go to college. Mm-hmm. And and I know we're going to get into the, that later, but we didn't attract, I don't think, a lot of uh, females in the technical side of the business. And then we, you know, certainly under Ed's leadership, we reached out and tried to start to change yes. and shift that and bring people in. Yes. And over the tenure, over my tenure, it was part of my job. Uh, they helped me discover my passion for leadership mm-hmm. and developing other people and helping them grow and learn and get better. That is that is absolutely hands down what I thrive on. You know, in what I do. Uh, that said. I believe that the identification of that talent and then the setting up opportunities for them to be put in positions to be able to grow and mm-hmm. learn was a big deal. All the intentional uh, attempts that were made. Uh-huh. There's all the subtleties of, you mentioned people encouraging you. Yes. Sometimes people can encourage you by a strategic plan of having to build out programs and leadership flows and and leadership charts and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. But there are the subtleties of just the daily comment of somebody saying, well, Laura, you, you're really smart. Are you really good at that? Yeah. It's those comments that for some seem throwaway or it wasn't. Yeah. It was just an observation that they made. They didn't intentionally say, I'm going to build up Laura today. It was just they said something that occurred to them in a thought, but they released it. Yeah. And you took it as a seed. Yeah, absolutely. And I can distinctly remember the first time that that happened at STP. There was a a former plant manager. His name was Ken Coates. He Mm -hmm. has, um, you know, since passed away. But he was an amazing, I call him a quiet leader. Mm -hmm. He didn't speak out as often to hear his voice heard. However, he was, um, when he did, you were, you sat up and listened, right? Because you knew that it was going to be something meaningful. So first of all, I had this high level of respect for him. And I remember, I don't know what I did. I presented something at some meeting or, or something along those lines. And he walked by me in the hallway one day and said, you know, Laura, you really ought to consider becoming an adjunct training instructor because you you just have a knack for that for being able to do that uh, effectively and I was like oh my gosh you know I, I've never even considered that and so that was kind of the starting point I think yes. for me yes. and then you mentioned Ed Halpin earlier mm-hmm. uh, Ed Halpin Mike Meyer there were so many amazing leaders Joe Shepard I could go through a yes. list right of uh, the things that I've learned from each of them but certainly Ed and Mike were huge and uh, advocates for me to go back to school uh, further my education uh, opened opportunities and doors for me to learn more yes. about leadership, which then just fueled my passion for that. Yes. So I am, you know, life 
for life indebted, you know, to them for believing in me, for encouraging me, for seeing something in me maybe that I didn't see in myself. Mm, That's powerful. You've mentioned leadership, we both have, Mm -hmm. many, many times. So because that's part of your forte, your experience, can you tell us what is leadership? What does it look like? What does it feel like? How does someone... Um, how does someone lead effectively, efficiently? Yeah. So for me, whenever it comes to you know leadership, the thing that stands out the most, at mm-hmm. least, I've been working uh, very closely with a consultant for the last several years. It's been an amazing experience. I've had an opportunity to, I feel like, learn a lot more uh, about leadership and the development of leaders and the competencies that are desired in leaders. And one of the things we do when we're looking to identify talent in our organization with respect to leadership is we, we have some assessments. That's one data point, right? And um, we look closely at their self-awareness level. If there is one behavioral competency that we like to see you know, stronger with more breadth, it's definitely that self-awareness. And you get that by being willing to have some reflection, ask for feedback. It's yes. so critical, I think, to, and I don't mean, do you have anything, you know, for me on that presentation I just made? No, that's not. Be more specific. What yes. is it What is it that you're maybe working on that you're looking to get feedback on so that you can really embrace and, and learn from that discussion and, and what you can do differently to make it better? Right. So that's the number one thing. I think um, for me it's balancing um, results with relationships and processes. Mm -hmm. So you probably, I I would imagine when you talked to Ed Halpin that there was some discussion about facilitative leadership. Yes, That is and has been uh, foundational in our culture since the 90s. And the practices have not really shifted or changed. They're fundamental. And I think that having a good balance on those results, processes, and relationships is, is critical. So to be effective and a good leader, you need to be able to do that. Um, What else? Uh, There's so much, right? Integrity, um, innovation, development of talent. There's, uh, at least in my experience, we, there's a lot of different databases out there that provide competencies, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, The one we work with has 38. But you know what? It, It amazes me when you first started off, with, and I, I very much agree, that aspect of self-awareness, that that mm-hmm. individual has to have a certain level of self-awareness. So to be self-aware, uh, that in itself, um, that whole concept is so broad because there's so many traits aspect to being self-aware, mm-hmm. taking the time, allowing feedback, all the things so that you can see yourself from different perspectives. But before you can invite those um, those comments, that input from maybe your team or your colleagues or those around you, mm-hmm. those individuals have to be feel safe and secure that they can give you feedback without you coming right. for them. To be approachable. Or, yes. Yeah. So along with, maybe it's at the same level, maybe it orbits around self-awareness, but there's also that development of safety, confidence, that this is a safe place, that you can trust me. So for me, that leans into integrity as well. Absolutely. So how does... 
in your observation of not only how you intentionally live your life as a leader, but how have you observed others that they provided a culture of not only, you know, investing in that self-awareness of themselves, but providing a safe place that you can have these conversations, that it's okay to disagree or maybe provide that person some unfavorable, you know, comments or feedback. Yeah. I think so... Interestingly, under Ed's leadership, mm. uh, we had we introduced a program called Crucial Conversations, mm. which created an environment, or at least the skills that were needed, uh, starting at the leader level. But we really rolled that out to our entire yes. station at the time uh, for how to have communication when the stakes are high, when there's differing opinions, and whether when there are strong emotions mm. and the um, I think sometimes you have to create that safety. Yes. Yeah, you, know, you have to create it. It has to start yeah, somewhere. Yes. Yes. You you need to model it, right? You have to invite it. Um, staying focused on facts and trying to remove the emotion out yes. of things is huge, right? Yes. So there are some skills that you can put in place for that. Um, just staying the facts, sharing how those facts, how what you saw or what you heard yes. affected your, the story that you have told yourself, right? Yes. And um, and then asking for other people's feedback because maybe what you've maybe the story that you've shaped or formed yes. is not is not an accurate picture at all, yes. right? So being willing to just tone down, think about what you saw and heard yes. that made you feel the way you felt, those, right? Because we, those emotions, yeah, that's those what triggers, those emotions, they're yes. triggers, right? Yes. Those things happen, and and so how do you how do you work through that? And I think that those skills are are very helpful and help set the stage for creating a safety in not only that environment, but in the culture as a whole. I love that. And and what especially intrigues me with my colleagues, again, in the nuclear industry, because not only is there just the day-to-day practicality of leadership within an office, how you lead your teams, how you inspire and you even, to some degree, manage those individuals. But just on the sector itself, nuclear power, mm-hmm. nuclear application in any direction, can sometimes evoke emotion because lack of information, um, certain events, critical events. Um, uh, in the space of no information, there's that. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm always... Um, very eager to hear from my nuclear colleagues that are very invested in integrity in leadership because not only is it, as I mentioned, just the day-to-day of, of maintaining leadership mm-hmm. and integrity, but then there's that heightened sense of the sector that you're in, nuclear, that already evokes a certain amount of emotion no matter what the emotion is, if it's positive, if it's negative, if it's fearful or just questioning, there's that. So, again, from your perspective, not only as a professional, but a professional in the nuclear field, because you all not only have to deal with your teams on site, but you're surrounded by communities that you all have seemed to uh, been able to maneuver so successfully, so almost seamlessly, for many decades now. Um, so that's intentional to 
to me as not only as an observer, as a colleague, but also as a community member. So how does that layer a special, I don't know, um, uh, I guess flavor or uh, just the degree of which a level of cognizance that you have to be aware of that aspect in your communication? You know, so great, great topic, great question. I have served on our emergency response organization Mm -hmm. for many years, and my role was actually media relations manager. So it would be to kind of, you know, interface in drills, right, as we practice uh, for the unlikely but possible event, right, uh, that could occur. And our number one focus was always on maintaining health and safety of the, the community, the yes. plant, the people, our loved ones, right? Yes. My family lives in this community. My, I mean, certainly that is critical and important. And I yeah. think that's the case for a lot of our workers, right? Uh, so, and just knowing that area of responsibility that we have mm. uh, in this industry. Yes. And the relationships, I think, um, instilling confidence by partnering with our local participants uh, was a big deal, at least in my experience. Mm-hmm. And that helps instill trust and confidence. You work together um, to create a, a space of um, trust and confidence. Yes. You know, the other thing I think that stood out for me, mm-hmm. just personally on a personal level, yes. was I had an opportunity to watch how we train our operators yes. and how we you know, position them Mm. in the event of some type of of an emergency. And so my personal trust and confidence, it's easy to convey it to you as a citizen, you know, in the community, because I've seen firsthand, I have faith and confidence myself in what I've seen in the, in the level of training and the commitment and the integrity that these people have in running and managing this plant. And so that's something that just really stands out, I guess, for me. And that's, you know, goes back to the partnerships as a partner with you guys mm-hmm. that I've always appreciated because there was never you're there, mm-hmm. you're a you're at the station, you're at the site, you're a nuclear professional, and then that's the community. No. I love how yeah, you all appear to be very us. intentional that yes, I work here, this is what I do, but I live here, and this is my community. And I love how you all have been very intentional about uh, being part of the community and support the volunteerism, Mm -hmm. not only as an organization, but as individuals. Um, It's so much appreciated because it's a reminder that you're living what you're preaching, and uh, that resonates and it communicates uh, very efficiently and effectively. And I also appreciate, and this helps in every area of your life, it doesn't matter if it's just professional or it's personal, that there isn't a conversation that is off the table. So if someone comes, and I've observed this, um, and I try to, I hope that I, I attempt to incorporate this into my life as well, is that we may disagree about a topic, a concern, Mm -hmm. but just because we disagree, we shouldn't avoid the conversation. It should be an opportunity to bring us together that we can still continue to to be friends, to be friendly, to be colleagues in some capacity, but 
if ever there was a, a concern about some kind of nuclear application, an issue that is there on site or somewhere on the other side of, of the globe, mm-hmm. that we can talk about it. I have never witnessed um, from any of the members or colleagues at STP that that's a topic off limit. You know what? We're not going to talk about that. That has never been my experience. So I appreciate the open dialogue that oh, that okay, we weren't planning on talking about that, but we certainly can, yeah. Yeah. and we can agree to disagree, but you're welcome to ask me any questions that you have or, or address any concerns, and that's something I appreciate oh, from you guys as well. Yeah, thank you. It seems it's intentional, and it, maybe it is because it's part of the culture. I, I think so. I mean, uh, we're very open and participative, in our, like you said, in yeah. our community, right? One of my first leadership roles in the community was – actually started with SDP. I walked on a team for Relay for Life for the American Cancer Society, right? Next thing you know, I'm leading the team. Next thing you know, I'm the, you know, heading it up for the county. The next thing you know, I'm, you know, on a a training committee for the High Plains Division for six states. The next thing you know, I'm on the board, right? So, I mean, it's just, uh, it evolved and started by just starting uh, supporting our community. And what a great and wonderful learning experience that has been. Um, opened all sorts of doors to it. What's interesting is that most of the people in that organization that volunteer yes. are people like you and I, right? Yes. So I get to learn from people like you yes. in those activities. So that that's been, uh, you know, just a huge, a huge plus, I guess, if you will, yes. simply built through partnering uh, to be supportive of our community, right? Mm-hmm. Opens it's, doors, meets meet all sorts of amazing new people and get to learn from them, from their other industries. It's, and those are the best kinds great. of relationships. It's they give and are. take. We're both learning. We're mm-hmm. both um, being bettered by those interactions. Yeah. But that's a great segue to oh. uh, to you because I really want to talk about you, Laura. Oh, as, as I mentioned, I wanted you to be a guest mm-hmm. because I have great respect for you and admiration but, you know, you, you talked about, you just gave a great example about how you started off Re- Relay for Life as a mm-hmm. participant, and then your role in leadership just elevated. The yeah. next time you did had a greater role, you had a leadership role here and there. So I want to talk about how, in that particular in- incident, you talk about the evolution. Mm-hmm. But I want to talk about your evolution as a person, as a professional, just are you the same person you were 30 years ago, Laura? Oh, gosh. No, I'm not. I'm not. I think our experiences and the obstacles and things we are faced with in life are what help you know, shape us into who we are. And at the time that they're happening, sometimes you don't see that. But when you have an opportunity to look back uh, over your life, you can see that you were exactly where you maybe needed to be at the time you were there. Mm. So those hardships that you may have faced uh, could have been set in place to help position you to help someone else in the future. Mm. So I think back to, I mentioned that I did not go to college right out of high school. Mm. That just wasn't an encouraged thing. Instead, at 18 years old, I got married. I had a very difficult uh, 10-year marriage uh, with a lot of ups and downs, highs and lows. experiences. I went into the banking industry. I'm talking from the ground up. And I was the 
the male girl, <laughs> the male person, and the paper shredder girl, right? Yes. I worked my way all the way up in that organization to a, a corporate secretary, and I was a you know loan officer and, and working directly with the executive. And one day, I remember, I was like 25 years old, and I distinctly remember my boss just never came back. He just left the company. It was back in the late 80s when the savings and loan <clears throat> debacle was going on. Yes. I don't know if you remember some of yes. that, but it was yes. a crisis, right? So he leaves. He never comes back. And I experienced early in my in my career that, you, you know, life can change on a dime. Mm. Absolutely. We were taken over by another company. Uh, the FBI showed up. I went through an interrogation. It was like something out of the movies. I'm not even kidding. Bright lights, you know. The, oh, it's like, let me just put my handcuffs. Right. It was terrifying. Uh, interrogating me. Did you shred papers? Did you do these things? They posted guards at the doors. And every single person, even the ones who had been there, you know, and were vice presidents of yes. that company, became yes. a number on a desk. So in my 20s, bam, right? I get this eye-opening experience that just like that, you know, things can shift or change. And so what do you do about that? Do you just, it was terrifying. Mm -hmm. But instead, I, you know, I decided you could either be a victim of that or what are you going to do? I ended up with one of my first leadership roles coming out of there within the new company that yes. I ended up as a branch manager. You know, we doubled our size in the first year, yippee, all that good stuff. But the, nice. the point I'm making to that is that when you're faced with that kind of adversity, you have a you can you can react crumble, yes. right? Yes. And be devastated yes. and wither away, or you can dig your heels in and think, how am I gonna deal with this? You know, I need to be able to keep my job. So let's figure it out. So that was kind of the starting point. Fast forward, ups and downs of divorce and some a lot of personal hardships. And I um, applied for a job at the nuclear power plant. And I didn't know what skills to use, really. If I knew now, if I knew then what I know now, yes. I probably would have approached it a little differently. Mm -hmm. But I came into the workplace and I and I moved. I just, I, I would absorb, learn from somebody, get an opportunity, move, you know, just shape and grow over the over time. So, um, you know, you mentioned earlier, what was that turning point in my yes. career at STP where someone maybe noticed or said something to mm -hmm. me that inspired me to do something different or to, you know, take a different path. And I mentioned the adjunct training instructor yes. opportunity and those doors just kept opening. They just kept opening. I met Ed, Mike Meyer. They saw potential in me. Uh, I helped bring facilitative leadership to our site. Yes. I was kind of the the background, right? Sure. Yes. Um, the 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 grease on the wheels, yes. <laughs> putting it together. And I got to watch and learn so much. I'm so fortunate in my career at STP because. For the majority of that career, mm -hmm. I was directly exposed to the higher mid mid level and higher level leaders. So yes. I got to watch and learn what what how the organization was run. Yes, what was important, um, what how they handled challenges, yes. how they overcame. Um, obstacles when we, I don't know, we had to shut the plant down or you know we're faced with different types of scenarios. I got to watch them in action. Um, 
you mentioned leadership before and what makes a good leader. I will never forget. We were teaching uh, in a leadership academy. We have a two-week academy every year. And uh, Ed was very uh, passionate about facilitative leadership himself, he and Mike both, that they taught it. They, They invested their time to come and to teach our new leaders. And something happened at the plan. I don't remember what it was. We ended up shutting down or something. And that day was a defining moment. Uh, Ed was on day one of teaching. He was the plant manager at the time. He could have so easily said, hey, Laura, take over. I'm going to head to the plant. But he did not do that. He empowered. So I think a key attribute of leadership is the willingness to empower your team. Yes. Believe in them. Right? Yes. Uh, maybe mentor or coach as you need to, yes. but empower them to lead. And he stayed back and continued his teaching, right, and then allowed the plant to do what they needed to do, and the students all watched that. Yes. The next day, I ended up stepping in and covering so that he could go you know, take care of business. Yes. But what was interesting is when we did a, a critique at the end of that, at the, of that training, that was one of the things that came out was the, the level of respect that the students ended up having by watching that modeling of those behaviors. So that can be powerful, right? Powerful. And those are the kinds of things that I'm so happy that I got to experience uh, in life. So, yeah, here I am on the kind of on the back end now, well, you know. Well, What's listen, next? <laughs> I'm going to have to uh, back up a little bit because okay. you said so many intriguing things. <laughs> So, you know, as you talked about um, your advancement through the banking Uh industry and even at STP, you almost make it sound like it just kind of happened, like it was so simple. Now, (laughs) I know know you, and I know that things are never as easy as they appear. And you also mentioned doors kept opening. Yeah, how'd that happen? So I want to know, first of all, what gave you the audacity to believe that you could move to the next level? Because no matter how many times people say, God, you're good at that, Laura. God, that's great. You should go for it. At the end of the day, when you're by yourself, for most people, maybe not for you, but for a lot of people, there are the negative voices. That's number one. So what gives you that audacity to, if you have negative voices or naysayers, physical individuals, mm-hmm. it's nay say. Mm-hmm. But on the other side of that, how did you know doors were opening? Some people see doors opening. Some people will walk by open doors all the time. So is that just who you are? Is that part of um, your personality that you see things that other people don't see? Or are you choosing to see that door is open when it's really just cracked? I mean, <laughs> how, how do you see that? Wow, great question and very uh, thought-provoking. Um, yeah, I'm a fighter. I think I'm a fighter. You know, we had a good life growing up in general. We were mm-hmm. average income family, um, standard, kind of regular, right? But we also faced a lot of adversity. We had, I would characterize us if in today's time as somewhat dysfunctional in mm-hmm. some ways. My dad worked shift work. My mom was, you know, gone a lot. She, yeah. she had her own salon, and so her hours were kind of crazy. We didn't have a lot of supervision. Um, 
that we've had a lot of things in our family. I wanted better for my children. Yes. We all, I don't know what it is that we just, yeah, we think we have to grow up and we're going to provide better, right? Yes. Yes. And the, I think being disparaged and things in my yes. marriage, you yes. know, I, just being strong enough to dig inside Mm-mm. and pull yourself out. Yes. That was a, and then that experience when I was 25 years old with yes. this whole job topsy-turvy thing, you know, I I think it just makes you stronger. And a lot of it has to do with mindset, you know, your belief, right? Your belief can create, your belief can destroy. And I choose to believe, I I find it in my faith. You know, I, I feed myself, I guess, spiritually to try to believe that I'm, I'm a child of God, right? Yeah. So I mean, I can I can do I can do great things. Yes. I can't tell you the level of imposter syndrome that affected me just coming here today. Mm. And so many of my friends and family are like, "Oh, that's not you. You're so confident. How do you? Where do you get that? You just said it. Yes. How did you know to walk through the door?" I fight for it. I feed my soul. I feed my mind with uh, with positive things. Um, I, I seek out. Um, learning opportunities yes. from uh, whether it's a podcast or a YouTube video yes. or people like yourself. I look for inspiration and I try to think that could be me. You know, don't yes. I fight back against limiting belief? That's what I do. And that's very intentional it's because intentional. it seems like you choose. It is. I it's choose. part of that mindset. It I is a choice every day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I've sat in this chair many times with very impressive people such as yourself. But it seems to be some days when we're lucky, it's maybe hour to hour or mm-hmm. morning to afternoon. But for some instances, some situations, some days, it's moment to moment that you have to choose. You do. Choices have consequences, yes. you know, and your mindset is a big factor in that. And so I think keep it. I was introduced to a lady in like 2004, and yes. she said, what you think about, you bring about. Mm. And I was like, that's so powerful. I've heard it another way. You know, you see things not as they are, but as you are. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, but, but please continue. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. yeah. What you think about, you bring about was one of the comments. And the other one was, mind your mind. Mm. Energy follows thought. Yes. Thought leads to action. And action equals results. Yes. And those are all, you know, it's like, oh, gosh, you and your, you know, my kids j- joke with me. And they're like, they call me fortune cookie mom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's so embarrassing, right, yeah. but it, but that's those those things have resonated with me and stuck with me. And I, when I'm in a funk, when I'm in a space yes. that I'm not I'm not feeling it, I dig into you know those kinds of things. She also said money's not everything; it's right up there with oxygen. But I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> I try to push that one aside. <laughs> no, but those you know we do, there are those sayings, there are those yeah. quotes. But for me. I, I've always me. attached myself to some. Some always stick with me, mm-hmm. I guess, mm-hmm. because it's a concise way to snap you back into place. It, it is. Or it for is. an appropriate time yeah. when you don't need to say a lot, but you need an effective yeah. message. Some of those quotes, mm-hmm. those metaphors, what, those colloquialisms. <laughs> yeah, whatever you want to call it. It's them. effective because they're concise and they get mm-hmm. to the point of yeah. what you're feeling, thinking, whatever the incident is. Just starting off with the mind your mind part yes. is enough. It's the trigger, right? Yes. And I'm like, okay, it's 
snap and snap out of that, right? Quit feeding yourself that negativity. You're going to go and you're going to talk to Valerie. You you love Valerie, you know. So this is a, a fantastic opportunity for me and a learning opportunity. So I appreciate it. Uh, of course, but let's talk a little bit more about imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, Awful. most people have a working kind of idea. Mm-hmm. It's just, okay, how do you describe imposter syndrome uh, so that we can have a little bit more of a discussion? How, sure. What sure. is it for you? For me, it is that feeling of inadequacy. It is that, you know, it's looking ahead and seeing that a majority of the people that you may be interviewing are doctors or their high levels in academia and, and things like that. And that's not me, right? Mm-hmm. That's not who I am. But I had to really revisit that moment and say, well, who are you? Yes. You know, what do you bring to the table? That's right. right. You bring 30 plus years of experience in leadership and organizational development. You know, give yourself some grace. Mm-hmm. And so it's a, it's really a, a hard talking to yourself sometimes um, to 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 snap out of that to snap out of that it's a feeling that you're not good enough i uh, some of it could stem from things that happened you know early in life yes i remember you know i was a twirler before they were obsolete nice <laughs> i love the twirlers oh my goodness twirlers? i remember the twirlers oh my goodness i'm yes. a twirler yes uh, i do think they still have them sporadically here and there um, but anyway I can remember, you know, asking, how did you think I did? And it was like, well, you were really great till you dropped it, your baton that one time, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you did a great job. You could smile a little more. Those little things like that. You were good, but not but, quite. But, good you enough. know, just a little thing. And they <clears> feed <throat> you over time. Yeah. And, you, and it, it affects you. It affects your self-confidence and your belief, right? I wasn't the homecoming queen or the princess or anything. But guess who organizes any kind of reunion if we <laughs> even have one? Me. I don't know. Yes. I was like, who said most likely to be the coordinator of stuff? Laura. No. I'm like, where'd that come from? So it's kind of funny how... Life you know, turns out. How life turns out. How so, did I turn into that person? So I need to, when you talked about snapping yourself out about if a situation when you're feeling that yeah. imposter syndrome, yeah. thank you for giving your definition because I think for most people, they have a working understanding of what it means uh, for them. But I just wanted to clarify as we continue. Is that consistent with how you would I, define it? I or would you say it a little differently? No, I just didn't feel like I was good enough. No, you I know? think it's those negative voices either yeah. that you tell yourself from the voices that are been those seeds that would have been yeah. planted long ago. Yeah. Or it's just as we've been roughed up through life that you've allowed to have conversations with you from time to time. So it's that pushing out. Yeah. But I want to give you a snap back Uh, comment in those situations so recently I had a conversation with my mother and I'm going to give you the comment she gave me oh boy you didn't pick me I picked you so you are my guest today I picked you to come here today so you need to feel emboldened by the fact that you are a guest here for a reason Okay, so I appreciate that so much. No, exactly. And I had to kind of try to talk myself into that. No, absolutely. (laughs) Thank you. And and I think that those similar messages that I have, what I've heard growing up throughout my life, Mm -hmm. that I've intentionally nourished those seeds because we all pick up negative seeds, dead seeds, you know, all the negative plants. 
that have been planted within us intentionally and unintentionally. Mm-hmm. But I think it behooves us all that whenever we've been given a comment that is sh- strikes us in a way that nurtured us, that brought us something special, we need to hold on to them. We need to give, keep it in a safe place because it doesn't matter how accomplished a person is, academically, professionally, personally, whatever it is, we are vulnerable. We're all human. And that's what I love about these conversations so much, Laura, is that at the end of the day, we're just people. Yeah. It doesn't matter what's been bestowed on you formally or informally within your circle, outside of your circle. We all have our stories. We all have our successes, our failures. But we have to choose to focus on the stories that feed us in the direction we want to grow. And when we feel that imposter syndrome, and I'm saying this to you, I'm saying it to myself, but most definitely I'm saying it to to young people that struggle, that I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough. Well, who is? Yeah. You know, and and I think any time that I felt that insecurity or imposter syndrome, whatever it is, I remind myself at the end of the day, we're all just people. And when we've been invited somewhere, you were invited for a reason. Yeah. There are some people that have never been invited, but you were invited. And I today. appreciate that so much, you know, and I am thinking back to I, as I was going through that experience, I remember asking myself, how, Laura, you coach people yes. all the time. Yes. What what would you tell them if if they were in your shoes? You know, and so I had to talk. I talked to myself. I'm like, snap out of it, right? Get up. You're going to do this and you're going to go and you're going to. I had three goals. You know, you either try to entertain, encourage or educate. Mm -hmm. That's what I want out of things that I watch and listen to. And that's what I try to give. And if I can touch on any one, God bless us, if we can do all three, it's a miracle, right? (laughs) How wonderful is that? But that is what I strive to do in, in every single day of my life. It's because that's just, what you want for yourself. That's what I want for myself, and that's what I want to give, you know? That's right. And as I transition into this next phase of my own career, mm-hmm. you know, this last leg, yes. I mean, it's just, let's get realistic. You Absolutely. know, I'm eligible for retirement. Right. I'm not there yet, I'm, but I'm contemplating. I'm looking at, you know, I'm starting to position myself. I'm a big goal setter. I don't yes. know if we have time to talk about that. But I that's do. A whole, <laughs> that's a whole passionate area for me. But looking ahead at that, you know, being able to start leading from behind, coaching and mentoring other people, um, t- transitioning, and what does that look like going forward is so important, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, what do I want to be when I grow up? Mm-hmm. There, I'm like, oh my goodness, now mm-hmm. I'm at that crossroad. Before we it's get to crazy. that, those goals and uh-huh. setting goals and what your goals are, I, I can't neglect the comment that you made about yourself that you're a fighter. Now, I love that, the way you described yourself, because I resonate with that. Mm -hmm. I consider myself a fighter. Now, some people, when they hear someone describe themselves as a fighter, Mm -hmm. sometimes that isn't received well. Mm -hmm. There's a negative connotation to it for some, for whatever reason. But I think for women, sometimes there's an extra layer of negativity that can be added to that in Mm -hmm. some circles. Yeah, it could be. So as one fighter to another, how does that 
how do you live your life in that capacity with that mindset? What does it look like to you? And how do you navigate your life and all that you are as a woman, as a professional, as just a human? How do you negotiate that fighter aspect of you within all the different realms of your life? Yeah. Wow, great question. Do you remember the classic Christmas movies, you know, the whole Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and Frosty uh, yes. the Snowman, right? Those are, that's, those are my, that's my time, right? Yep. And Santa Claus is Coming to Town is my favorite one. And what stands out about that, there's a, there's something behind the story. Um, do you remember Winter Warlock? He is the, you know, he's the magic fairy dust guy that can make everybody fly and all that good stuff. Yes. Well, he runs out of his fairy dust, right? And he's, he's they, they sing this little song called Put One Foot in Front of the Other. And they've got this winter warlock, and he's the character, and he's, you know, the cartoon guy. And he's like, he's just putting one foot in front of the other. And when I say I'm a fighter, I mean that whatever obstacles, whatever challenges, whatever mishaps, whatever dysfunction, divorce, you name it, whatever happens, you know, coming my way, I'm going to fight through. I'm going to put one foot in front of the other, and I'm just going to keep walking across the floor and until I can get through the door, right? And I remember in the song and in the in the movie, it just sticks with me. He kind of spins around and he wobbles, and that's the reality of life, right? Yes. As you're putting one foot in front of the other, you're going to have those moments where you where you where you kind of wobble or you might sidestep or you know spin around a couple of times almost fall down but you're going to get up and you're going to keep doing it and i that's what i mean by fighter i don't mean you know it it in a derogatory way as much as i mean it's it's an internal fight to to move forward it's not so much that you're fighting individuals you're fighting for what you want out of life that's it you're fighting for a goal you're fighting fighting, for An accomplishment of some mm-hmm. sort, yeah. fighting to persist. Proving that you can to yourself, not to everybody else as much as to yourself. You know, it's like, I can do this. I recently, not recently, in August of 2020, I put my foot down because I was having a lot of health issues and just miserable. I felt like I was literally trapped inside my own body. I was 243 pounds and I was like, Laura, enough enough you know what's important to you and so i established a goal i was going to be married 27 years in december and i was like 25 years i'm sorry it was two years ago so 25 years in my 25th anniversary by god i was going to be the size i was when i got married and i set a goal and i had to get my mindset right to be able to move in that direction and i was determined and so I found a program that really worked for me. It was yes. great and wonderful. My husband and I both went on it. We, we um, lost a bunch of weight, 89 and a half pounds. Mm. But it was more than that to me. It wasn't just about losing. It was about the ability to sustain it. And I thought the only way you're going to do that is to shift your mindset, to change how you live your life, the choices you make, because they all have consequences. Yes, you can eat the... You can eat all the French fries, you know, yes. but you're going to pay a price for that. Is that what you want? And to really get deep into um, willpower, if you will, I had to discover my why. Mm-hmm. And somebody gave me the advice that your why should make you cry. And I was like, oh, ouch, right? So I started peeling back. Well, I just want to feel better. 
that's not deep enough, you know? Right. That's, oh, you're going to fall off the it's wagon. Fleeting. Yeah, that's, it's fleeting. Yeah. You're going to fall off the wagon in two seconds with that. Yes. Keep peeling, keep peeling. And as I began, you know, to just really uncover or peel back the onion, if they, as they say sometimes, I found that, you know, why did I really want to do this? I wanted to do it because my kids are 27 and 25. They're not married yet. They don't have, you know, children. I would love to be not only alive, but capable of doing things when and if they decide to move to that next step, you know, in their lives and have grandbabies, which are amazing and beautiful, right? Yes. But you want to be active and present. I want to be able to crawl around on the floor and get back up. I was at a point where I'm not even kidding, just to unload and load my dishwasher, I had to do like, you know, fifth position ballet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I didn't want to throw my back out, you know, yes. so it was very, um, it was a big, the struggle was real. And, and so um, the sustainability piece of that was huge for me. And I think it had to, it required a, a true shift in mindset. And I, and that's something I still fight for every, every day. You know, I make choices and they all have consequences. All day long. All day long. All day Regardless long. of what walk of life, whether it's your, 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 yeah, your faith your family, your friends, your finances, you know, your field, your job, all of the things. They all, it's all about life and choices. And the things we face are the obstacles and challenges are what make us grow. What did you learn from it? That's what I tell my kids. What did you learn from it? Mm -hmm. You know, they'll call me occasionally and give me some example of something yes. that they're going through. And I'm like, man, that really sucks, you know? How'd, how'd, how'd that work out for you? Yes. And what'd you, what'd you learn from it? What would you do different next time? Mm -hmm. And try to encourage them to always grow and learn. Mm. That um, That's such a good example, Lauren. And I'm also intrigued. You use the word willpower. Mm -hmm. And I think for a lot of individuals, we use it because that's just part of the lexicon. That's what yeah. the word that we use. But willpower, according to research, it's limited. You know, you... Mm -hmm. It's not just it's not just part of a person's personality. I have strong willpower. Right. It's it can Driven. be yes, but it can also be depleted. So mm. to maintain a certain level of strength, determination in what you're trying to accomplish, to maintain your willpower, you have to refill it so to speak. You have to give yourself rest to avoid the temptation to to strengthen because it's not a constant. So how do you replenish yourself? Because there has to be moments of weakness and not just your new lifestyle mm -hmm. and how you choose your physicality, but just in every area of your life. How do you refuel? How do you feed yourself, sustain yourself? Yeah, through, um, I would say I sustain myself through, I have a vision board. Mm. I don't know if you're yeah. familiar with that concept. Yes. Uh, you know, I've always been told I have a lot of goals and yes. have vision. And I have, you know, vision for my life and I have a vision for, you know, kind of longer range, next five yes. years, where do I see yes. myself? And then back that on down to daily, making mm. my bed yes. every day. And I refuel by keeping that in my face. I um, discipline 
like uh, the as, as I mentioned, uh, making my bed. There's that whole book out there, right? There was right. a, a I don't remember a Colonel. Yeah, Colonel. Oh, it was a, I just love that, right? That was based off that, his speech. Oh my goodness, speech. yes, and his spe- his speech was just amazing. But make your bed. My life can be crazy, all around me. You know, just chaos, a busy day, whatever, torment. <laughs> but right. it, I make my bed. It's the first thing I do. I just get up. I make my bed. It's a sense of control. Yes. And if I can take that step daily, then all the rest is, you know, so I fuel every day by starting it that way. Mm-hmm. I second that with my spiritual journey, which is my devotional and just feeding my soul, whether yes. it's through music. I'm big on music. So yes. I definitely, you know, I feed my soul with mm-hmm. music and reassurance that this is just a, a stepping stone in my life. This is just mm-hmm. a, it's a stopover. So there's a there's a bigger picture ahead, and I I just start I start there, and I think it does it does set the stage for, you know, uh, keeping me in check. And then the why having those whys I mean they have to be deep. Yes. You know, so deep that you won't fall away. So, I don't know if that answered the question, but that's really I guess how I do that. No, it it does seek out ways to to keep me engaged. It does answer the question because that's how you experience it mm-hmm. and it, you illustrate that lovely. It, um, it, it's intriguing to me as with each evolution of our lives, yours, mine, yeah. those around us, it affects people around us. Sure. So as you've evolved within your wonderful life, your lovely life. How have people around you received or reacted to your evolution over time? And how have you responded to their response? Oh, wow. What a, what a question. Um, I would say that my, my children, I believe, look up to me and respect me yes. and admire <laughs> the, that's okay. Um, that I think they admire, you know, uh, my perseverance. Yes. Right. Going back to school, uh, I think during the window that that was ha- occurring, it was yes. very difficult for them. I could still remember my youngest mm-hmm. sitting on the arm of the chair, going, "I like it when my mom's not on the computer." And then my Mother's Day card said, "I like it when my mom makes pop tarts." <laughs> yeah, that was awful. Um, so there's that. But fast forward, right? And my sons, you know, have gone to school. They have great jobs. They're on their own. They're off the payroll. They're debt free. You know, I'm excited. I mean, we as like we did something decent. Yes. So they, I feel like, um, received that well at the end state, if you will. My husband's been super supportive the entire time of anything I've ever wanted to do. Yes. Um, you know, astonished sometimes that I do, like, that I'm here and doing this. It's like, oh, gosh, you know. Um, friends, workers, uh, co-workers, very supportive, you know, uh, encouraging. Mm-hmm. I had a phone call on the way here today from, uh, I don't know, I think you know Penny Holzapfel? Of course I, love I Penny, know Penny, right? I love Penny And so also. she called me and she said, hey, isn't your interview with uh, Valerie today? And I was like, yeah, it is. She goes, I just want to wish you good luck, you know, oh. on your interview. You're going to do a great job. So she was just encouraging, right? And I think um, 
they I I would say I underestimate my own worth and value more so than the people um, that I work with. Mm. Mm. Uh, I will also share that in my job, right? My yes. whole job is about helping others grow and develop and get better. And I get to watch them excel. And I'm so proud of them. And I just, I, I think that there's a tiny sense of, of personal accomplishment to know that if you contributed in even the smallest way yes. to them moving where they need to be in their careers, that you made a difference. And if that's the case, then you know that you did you did what you were designed to do. Job well done. Your job well done. It's good enough. You know, I, that's so lovely, and I'm so happy that that has been your experience, that, that you've been surrounded by that encouragement and support. But for many people, that's not always their experience. True. Sometimes when people evolve within, if it's per- personally or professionally, those around them, it could be family members or it could be colleagues that are questioning, what, wait a minute, what are you doing? That's not who you are. Why are you changing? Mm. And, and I ask this question because I know we have to have listeners out there that are not as fortunate as, as you. So as they're trying, maybe intentionally involving, or that's just where life is taking them, yeah. that they're in, evolving in some way, changing in some way. So... Do you have any encouragement for those or any suggestions or tips perhaps that would that you could provide those that want to continue that evolution, those changes professionally, personally, that regardless of what people are saying to them or people perhaps are intentionally trying to push them back to who they were out of fear, security, mm-hmm. or whatever sure. their intentions are, how can you encourage or what can you provide them as encouragement to continue their growth, their evolution? Yeah. Uh, Stay true to yourself. Stay true to yourself. You know, uh, if you're authentic and it's real, you can't control, I don't think, what other people perceive and the way they interpret things. Mm -hmm. Um, I do get pushback sometimes, you know, on making my choices, even with my... um, with the choices I make around diet and the way I eat right. and the things I do. Oh, come on. It's not going to hurt, you know, one yes. thing, this or that. Right. I just stay true to myself because mm-hmm. I said, you know, they, they don't walk in my shoes. Right. They don't understand that if I go down that path, it's almost like an addiction, mm-hmm. right? That that can snowball. Yes. And then that can start to create and take me back to a place that I don't ever want to go again. I would equate it to almost like, you know, alcoholism or drug addiction or or something like that for me. Yes. For me. And I know it's not their intent to try to drag me down. Right. But they don't don't even realize, right, that by encouraging or offering, oh, it's just a brownie. Oh, it's just that. No, thank you. I'm just not interested. Right. Right. And it's okay with me. I've already changed the habit. So I don't miss it. It's not like, oh, I don't get the brownie. You know, it's a choice. I choose not to eat those things. Mm -hmm. I choose not to to drink those things or whatever. Right. Um, so stay true to yourself, I guess, is my biggest message, you know. And um, look ahead. Look ahead. I, I, I mentioned a vision board earlier. Um, putting that stuff in front of you and seeing where you want to go keeps your eye on the prize, right? Keeps your eye on the ball. 
and I think it helps you not be swayed, you yes. know, or deviate. As far as people being receptive, I think if you're authentic, they'll see through that eventually, right? I have a good, good friend, an amazing friend, who um, lived a pretty interesting life. And then she she had a near-death experience. Mm. Actually, she died, I think, and came back. But found herself in a whole different space. Yes. And her spiritual journey evolved. Yes. And she started a ministry. And I am sure that there are many people that, you know, for it's been like seven years now. Yes. And it's real, okay? I think in the, in, you know, in the beginning, there was so much like, no way. You that's know, not who she is. That's not who she is. When are you going to get over your Jesus <coughs> thing? You know, and that sort of yes. thing. And I am so, so proud because she is, I'm just watching this expand and unfold and influence more and more and more lives. And, and that's the beauty, right? So stay the course. I, that's my advice. Stay the course. Be true to yourself. If it's authentic and genuine, it'll eventually, you know, your integrity will lead the way and, and people will catch on or they won't. And if they don't, they don't. Move, you know, so what now what? Move on. I love that. I love that. <laughs> you know, you can't control that. No, you can't. And all you control can, can mm-hmm. control is believe in yourself. Ourselves. Yeah. I say that. Here I am. <clears throat> oh, I've suffered from imposter syndrome and all this stuff. But I I do, but I fight back. But right? so don't think that I I mean, um I don't want to come across as someone who has it all know, figured out. Has it all figured out or lacks right. you know, lacks or speaks out of both sides of her mouth. No. I, I just recognize it. It's real. And I try to do something about it. No, does it, that make sense? It makes perfect sense. It's the human condition, yeah. and that's why when you say about being intentional, it's mm-hmm. every moment to moment you are choosing this way or that way because the human condition is a struggle. Yeah, to to be pulled in one direction or another, to be influenced one yeah. way or another. Yeah. But that's the beauty about being intentional with your life and choosing a certain way and realizing that that is part of life. It is a choice every moment. Mm. Those um, circumstances I mentioned earlier with the loss of my aunt and uncle last yes. year yes. and then my own personal experience, yes. those triggers, I would say, have really put me in a trajectory of changing my mindset and just living my life to the fullest and really trying to give back you know, and inspire, encourage other people. I mean, that's, I just want to do that daily, right? I'm so passionate now about that, even more than ever. I don't want my legacy to be, she laid around and watched Netflix. Nothing against people who do, but but that's not me. I don't want to be that person. I just want, I want to, I want to live a life that encourages other people and gives them something of value. Hmm. That's it. And that's nothing but good. (laughs) <laughs> so, Laura, as we begin to wrap up our conversation, mm-hmm. I just want to know what else? What else should I have asked you? What else can we talk about in front of this audience? Because I never want to stop talking to you. Uh. But I know our time is limited with our yeah. audience. But what else can you say? What else should we say? Oh, I, we covered, I feel like, in true Laura fashion, squirrel, right? Oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> we're over here, we're over there. We kind of touch on a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Wow. But um, 
There were there there was a, a guy that worked with us for a brief time, and a leader, um, kind of a a tough guy. But he would stop by my office and he would give advice. And he would um, I I would write on my whiteboard these little one liners right yeah. that he would drop off. And they were so good that they stuck with me out of, I mean, here I am at my age and I'm like, why did this, these little one-liners resonate, resonate with me so much, but they did. And the first one was focus on what you can control. Mm. I was like, ouch, because I felt overwhelmed. So when you're feeling overwhelmed and you just feel like the world's coming at you from all these different directions, get in the moment, focus on what you can control. So that's a start. Yes. He also told me to um, don't tell God how big your mountain is. Tell your mountain how big your God is. Oh, wow. Good one, right? That's And it stuck with me. So when I'm feeling strapped or overwhelmed or where I'm, I'm just in a bad space, I go there. Um, life's 10%, right, what happens to us, and 90% how we react to it. Yes. And there are all these. That's why my kids joke. They're like, oh, you're fortune cookie mom. I'm like, you can call me what you want to, but I have what, those little These are nuggets. Things. They're those nuggets of gold. And I live them. Yes. They, they fuel me. They yes. fuel me. And when I get in a rut and when I get in a, a bad space, I, I just look at this little board that I have with all these one-liners on it and that's a few of those things and the last one I think I'll part with was always assume goodwill Mm. it is so easy to form an opinion or to judge someone Mm. just in passing right I I mean you can be on the elevator and you already formed an opinion just in a nanosecond so before you go down that path of you know why did that jerk pull out in front of me or whatever right just assume goodwill How hard is that? Just always assume goodwill. And it was like, it may morph into something later, but if your initial thought is that, it it, it just creates, I think, a kind of a pleasantness in life. It's disarming. (laughs) It's disarming. And I no longer get frustrated over things that just really don't matter. And are so unnecessary. That's it. And I, it's, I thought, what a great little nuggets to live by. Mm. And that's it. I think if I was going to wrap it up, yeah, visualizing your, um, your vision as well, putting it in front of you, I think your mind subconsciously tries to figure out how to make those things happen. <laughs> yes. So example, you know, I just have, a, I have space on my little vision board, right, yes. for my spiritual journey, so my faith. You know, I go to Bible study, read your Bible in a year. Just some things that I want to do there. My finances, where I want to be as I transition into my retirement space, my friends and my family. I'm literally having lunch tomorrow with friends that I have not uh, really hung out with in 27 years. It was pre-Eric, right? And so we are getting together and having lunch. So I'm forcing things because they're in front of my face. And I'm just making them happen, you know? And it, and it seems as though you're also in a stage of your life where you have more flexibility. I do. That and does that, make, Oh, gosh. That's a level of beauty. That's a whole other And liberation. I'll have that, to come back. Oh, yes. 
<laughs> because I get it. I was that mom that yes. was going to school. My husband yes. was working shift work. I had yes. two kids. I can remember the first time I was going to go back to school, my one and a half year old son came over and ripped the page right out of my my first class, right? Just ripped it out. And I closed the book and I thought, not today. That's not happening. And I postponed it. I regret that. I wish that I would have stayed with it. Um, But yeah, I get that. And you know, the husband on shift work that's telling you, the only thing that's keeping me awake is you going, shh, shh. You know, the kids crawling all over his head didn't bother him, but it was me. So how do you overcome that? How do you navigate through those challenges? And you know, it's doable. It's doable. I think you have to um, give yourself some grace. Mm. You know, you're not going to be perfect. I remember throwing diapers in the direction of the trash can. <laughs> like, yes. I would pick them up as I yes. as I walked by yes. because, you know, it's kind of like life was chaotic. Aaron, you're on autopilot a lot of the times, too. <laughs> you were, yeah, but it passes, and it goes by so fast. Mm-hmm. You know that. Mm-hmm. You blink. Mm-hmm. You blink. And now something beautiful that I will share is, you know, you spend your whole children's lives trying to coach, encourage, help Mm. them through all the things. Isn't it beautiful when the day comes that they're the one inspiring you? They're the one giving you a pep talk. They're the one, you know, um, calling you on the phone just to see how you're doing. And, and it is beautiful. And that you can... You know you did something right. And that I always like to say, too, is that even if they were not your children, you would want to be their friend. You yes. appreciate them so yes. much as another... They're that good. They're that good. <laughs> I, You're like my person, even if you were not my baby. Right. You're yeah. my person because I just like you. I respect it's you. True. Not just because I love you crazy. Right. And I... Yeah, unconditionally. <laughs> yeah. But I just like you. Yeah. I like them. Yes. I like... They're, they're yes. fun. And they're yes. interesting. And they're... They they add value and they have good insights and I'm so blown away by that. Mm. So when you get past the crazy mom stage and the overwhelmed and oh my gosh, you know, I can't get you to school on time to save my life. Right. All of that, you know, um, it, it's gonna come back and it'll be positive. I thought I was just not gonna make it through when they went off to school, oh, yeah. it was awful. You know, that empty nest syndrome was oh, like that's killer. Bad. But it's it's beautiful. And I hear that it only gets better, it, you know, as if they we bring, allow and we, we allow choose. It. Yeah. Yes. Again, oh, more it. choices. Yeah. More, more choices. choices. Oh, gosh. All the time. <gasps> but it is. it can be, mm-hmm. and it has uh, <laughs> been such the joy only continues to grow, looks different, feels different, but it only grows and grows. Yeah. Mm. My aunt uh, shared with me the from her perspective yes. that um, you feel the pain twice as deep if something happens that's not good, but you feel the joy twice as deep as well. Mm. So you're happy for your child yes. and you're happy for your grandchild yes. or you're sad for your, you know, I don't know, broken arm with your grandchild, but you're sad for your, the parent because yes. you know, your heart, you know, the pain, you, you know, okay. the pain and that you feel everything almost double. Mm. So I'm like, Oh gosh, you know, I can't imagine that, but um, I, I can see that. And with yeah. my own experience, I like to say, you know, cause I've heard people say, 
what strikes me is kind of odd that, oh, you love them. You, some people say you love them more than your own children. For me, that, that can never be my mm-hmm. experience. But what it has allowed for me and what I feel is that I love it's 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 almost a, a redo because oh. you're able to hold your child again. It feels uh-huh. like to me that I'm holding him again. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And you know, in, in my situation, it's yeah. a little girl, but I feel as though I'm holding yeah. my son, her daddy, yeah. again, and I'm loving her, and I'm loving him at the same time. Oh my goodness. So, so you it's get just it. an expansion of. Yeah. The love that I have for him That's through her, and I can love him. It's almost a redo. I'm giving my my baby, my son, yeah. hugs and kisses again in that way I can't do anymore. Oh. Well, so you know what? It gives me wonderful. something to, you know, to, to live for, right? To look yeah. forward to, yeah. and so. You know, we'll see. We'll if see. If that happens, yay. If it doesn't, that's okay, too. It's their choices. Absolutely. It's their choices. <laughs> thank you so much. Oh, Laura, it's thank you. And it's always a joy speaking with you. I appreciate it. We'll have to have more conversations about all the other aspects oh of goodness. our very um, uh, diverse <laughs> lives uh, and all the chapters. But uh, truly, I've always uh, appreciated you in many, many ways and enjoy talking to you. Back at you. Thank you. Thanks. So to our audience, thank you so much for listening in today. I hope you've had the opportunity to listen to the entire conversation and all of our other conversations on all of our other platforms. And I hope for you guys, um, you picked up those nuggets of gold that Laura laid down with those quotes and, and sayings. But for me, some of the things that she said earlier about looking ahead, living intentionally, and assuming the best in others... I hope that resonates with you as much as it resonates with me. I hope for all of you, you have a great day. Thank you so much.